0: You cannot escape the material culture in understanding the African American experience. I like to face the facts, and the facts are sometimes ugly. From New York to
1: San Francisco, Houston to Chicago, the residents of Villa Albertine have traversed the United States. Here, they look back on their journeys into the arts and ideas. Their visits were supported by Villa Albertine, which has connected French talents and the American cultural scene since 2021. Come and join me as we meet some of the artists and thinkers shaping the culture of tomorrow. I'm Rachel Donadio, and you're listening to Coast to Coast, a podcast series produced by Villa Albertine and Paradiso Media. Our guest today, Anne Lafont. Anne Lafont is an art historian and a director of studies at the École des Hautes Études en Sciences Sociales in Paris. Her research often centers on the representation of race. As a resident at Villa Albertine, she traveled to New Orleans to search for traces of Marie Laveau, a Creole princess at the time of the Louisiana Purchase. She also visited the Museum of African American History and Culture in Natchez, Mississippi. Here, she tells us about her travels and about different ways of talking about race in the U.S. and France. Anne it's great to have you here today. Thank you. It's great to be here. I'm curious to ask you about your experience as a resident of Villa Albertine. In particular, you spent some time in New Orleans, and I'm just curious what you discovered there.
0: Well, I'm not sure I discovered something especially, but I was trying to figure out what kind of character was Marie Laveau. Because I was very much interested in understanding how black history and also francophone Americas and Louisiana did connect at the beginning of the 19th century. So Marie Laveau was a Creole princess and a practitioner of voodoo.
1: She became an iconic figure in New Orleans. But as I understand, there aren't so many images of her. So how do you become an icon without an image?
0: It's very interesting. And it's also something which is very common in the Black experience. There are so many iconic figures which didn't get so many images of them. So it's interesting. But in the end, what I not discovered, but what I understood by being in New Orleans is that if I wanted to do something about Marie Laveau, it would be much more about material avatars and vernacular culture.
1: Can you give us some examples of that,
0: of what that material culture is? The most interesting uh, museum I discovered in the U.S. at that time is that It's the one which is in Natchez, which is an African-American museum. And it was funded, if I remember well, by five women a couple of years ago, maybe 20 or 30 years ago. And they did choose to collect all kind of objects, usual objects that are connected to the Black uh, experience. What kinds of objects? Was it clothes or house Mm -hmm. domestic items? cotton mills, also photographs and postcards and everything that could be gathered was there. These are testimonies of the life experience of people which used to live in Natchez. Maybe because Black history is so much also connected to the fact that most of the enslaved were forbidden to learn to write and to read, it's by being confronted to this material that I understood that maybe the material culture is where you can have a much more close connection to the black experience in the 19th and the beginning of the 20th century than the written archive in a way. You cannot escape the material culture in understanding the African-American experience. And it's something can cannot just understand by being away or far from the places, I would say.
1: And that's the Schomburg Center at the New York Public Library, which
0: is dedicated to African-American culture. I did spend a lot of time here because I wanted to understand, because in France it's something we have been thinking about, having a place or a museum, and it's a big issue, a big question in France about uh, slavery in the French context. So I wanted to compare and understand what kind of proposals there were in the U.S. about that. So the Chambourg Centre is so Important if you want to address any topics about black history.
1: It's a way of recapturing or finding the hidden histories of enslaved people who often might not have left written documents.
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: I understand that you also made a very interesting discovery about the buttons on the suit of Toussaint Louverture.
0: Yes. I decided to work in the Smithsonian Institution, the branch which is in New York City, the Cooper Hewitt Museum, and it's a museum dedicated to decorative arts, and they have eighteen buttons. We think were on the the coat of Toussaint Louverture, which is a heroic figure of Haitian revolution. And these are very refined and precious buttons uh, with an iconography of West Indies scenes, which are very well known by the paintings, but you can see them reproduced on the buttons of the coat of Toussaint Louverture because the iconography is one of British-Italian painter very well known in the 18th century. So he did appropriate, in a way, the iconography of the colonizing artist and the other thing which was very interesting I discovered in the archive in the museum is the fact that it was something while well, these buttons were in between a history between French museum and American museum around the second world war and they were not meant to stay in New York at the beginning so the collector did give them to the New Yorker uh, Museum, waiting for the end of war, and then they didn't go to France. So you had around the history of these buttons, which is very interesting per se, but it's also interesting to understand that Caribbean, French history, US history is also connected to the history and the life of the buttons themselves. So yes, it was a huge discovery for me to, to work on these buttons.
1: You could write an entire book about those buttons. Were the buttons on display at the Cooper Hewitt in New York or in the collection archive?
0: In the collection archive, they were not exhibited. I think they are maybe too precious to be exhibited all the time. There are very different approaches in the United States and in
1: France to how one should grapple with the history of slavery or the history of enslaved people or the history of individuals as opposed to the collective. How did your experience in the United States shape your thinking about how France might present or grapple with its own history of slavery? It was
0: amazing, I must say, to discover the peculiarity and the question of ethics in the museums in the U.S., how much it helps to renew also the museum, how museum can address the question of national issues was to give access to the black history. I went to uh, the north of Arkansas at the Crystal Bridges Museum of Art. It was for me one of the most uh, interesting museums because they try to do something which is a national art museum. So it's something about not thinking of national art in a nationalist perspective, and trying also to give to the the viewers or the visitors the possibility to complexify a little bit the, the question of Americanity, because there are so many stratas of experiences on the American territory. I went to Charleston and... It's still, I think, it's a French perspective. It's a very segregated city. So it's so beautiful in many ways and so old. I went to the African-American area and I discovered, for example, David Hammond's House of the Future, an installation which was in 1991, which is still in place. And It's the way David Hammond uses uh, the traditional housemaking of Charleston in the black area also gives keys to rethink of this segregated city, I think. So this many intervention and complexification of the national perspective i could see through the black experience was very interesting the other thing which is specific to france i think and I could not really experience in the U.S. is that uh, in France, the black experience is not only about enslavement. It's also connected to the colonial expeditions and um, the history of the 19th and the 20th century, especially in West Africa, but not only. So I had to always compare, in a way, what I know from the French history and what I know from the American one. And they are not exactly... Similar, I think. But also
1: in France, it's so hard to talk about race. It exists, but it doesn't exist.
0: Absolutely. It's still very difficult. It looks like if you want to put to the front the question of race, it's something offensive, It's something about making guilty the people you're addressing the question or the topic. And it's something which we have been thinking would disappear if we don't address it. It's something that evolved uh, during the time. And I think we have to have this conversation and think about it by addressing it so we have all the material to think, to have a French perspective on race. And I think it will come slowly and probably much more slowly than in the U.S. But I think the discussion is now coming and it will change the idea of the common in, in the French society as well. It's sure. How would you define the French concept of race? I think the most interesting contribution of French perspective to the issues of race is the connection with the long history. I think it's more a European basis, because we cannot think of race as something which happens only with the colonization and the enslavement of the Africans. Of course, it's very important. But this practice is connected to the alterity conception Of Jews, for example, in European countries in the, as I said, in medieval times and also at the Renaissance or early modern period.
1: So the concept of race in France is also shaped by questions of who is the other and who is the dominant culture of minorities versus
0: majorities inside the polity over history, throughout history. Yes, absolutely. And I would say it's at the core of European history, but it's also at the core of the most interesting contribution of the French scholars in the issues of race.
1: In your experience in the United States with Villa Albertine, did anything surprise you most about conversations around race in the United States?
0: Yes, yes. <laughs> I will be honest. I was a little bit surprised By the fact that sometimes ethical care, for example, in the classroom when I had students, could lead to another kind of blindness. With the trigger warnings or things like that, sometimes we have to confront to images of violence, for example, because at least we can address them when we know of people who have been living this kind of situations. And I think we have to be cautious with the ethical context. I like to face the facts, and the facts are sometimes ugly. I don't believe in ignorance. I believe in in knowledge. And I think if we take the time to face things, we can do that.
1: I think that's a very succinct way of putting it. It seems sometimes that in the United States, conversations in higher education are often about protecting the feelings of the students as opposed
0: to advancing knowledge. Yes, it's not always the case. But I think sometimes there are so many fears or once again, ethical issues. And of course, it's important. But I think In the university, in the classroom, learning is facing what we have to face. And knowledge is much more important than not knowing. We are not going further as a society if we don't try to look at what has been with the discourses which are there to explain what happened at that time.
1: Anne, thank you for this fascinating conversation. It was a pleasure. Thanks for listening to Coast to Coast, a podcast series produced by Villa Albertine and Paradiso Media and hosted by Rachel Donadio. If you want to learn more about the residents of Villa Albertine, listen to it wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to our channel, States. And if you liked it, leave a rating and spread the word. You can also follow us on social media and click on the link in the description of the episode.